When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the young church on the day of Pentecost, this baptism of the Spirit resulted in those individuals flooding the streets of Jerusalem with proclamations of God's power. And those looking on said, these people are drunk. Welcome, this is the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. And to discover more about our radio ministry and our fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Well, something of the manner of those baptized with the Spirit looked like drunkenness. It's interesting to note that Peter didn't argue that they were not behaving like they were drunk. He only said that it wasn't possible because it was too early in the morning. No, they were behaving like they were under the influence, but it wasn't the influence of alcohol. It was the impact of the Holy Spirit flooding out upon their lives. When a person becomes inebriated with alcohol, they don't have the ability to guard their tongues as they did before. They don't have the ability to keep their secrets the way they did. Their life begins to be poured out in such a way that, well, the Bible calls it a dissipation. They just kind of pour themselves all over the place. It's called a waste. But this unhibitedness is a mark of the spirit-baptized Christian. They were freely speaking without any inhibition. There was no guardedness of self-protection or self-posturing. All that was in their hearts at that moment was openly and freely flowing from their hearts to all those who were around. And, and in this case, it was all good stuff. It was all good things. It was all meant to be seen by these others. It was rejoicing and it was praises and it was hallelujahs. And it was just the opposite of the kind of community you have when you're just trying to follow laws and you're trying to do all the right things to somehow gain some access into God and depress others that you're a righteous person. And all that was set aside. And everything was loosened up as they gave their praise and their glory and they pronounced their wonder before God and before others. And as it poured out from them, they were not put off by the puzzled and astonished faces of others. It didn't hold them back when people looked at them skeptically or cynically or scoffed because they thought they were drunk. They laughed all the more and they just kept pouring out what it was that God was doing in their life. Something inside of them had filled their lives to such an overflowing that it had burst all the bonds of carefulness. And the outpouring of the Spirit had come into them and upon them and like a river of living water was flooding out from them just as Jesus had promised in John chapter 7, verse 38. you remember that? The Lord Jesus said, Come to me, all you are thirsty and drink, and out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. And that's what happened now. They couldn't even stop it. It was just flowing out from them. And this unrestrained, uninhibited flow. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes this. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. That's that example of that person who's just inebriated and he's uninhibited and he's pouring out all kinds of things that he should not pour out. And it's just waste. There's no discretion to it whatsoever. He says, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is, you know what? Still uninhibited outpouring from a person's life. What pours out from them is, that they begin to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in their heart. Instead of uh, excessive wastefulness, there is excessive praise, excessive pronouncements of what God has done in the person's life. And when the Spirit baptizes a person with the experience of Christ's presence and Christ's surging power within them, there's an open-heartedness that results. 
a generosity of heart that cannot hold back itself from others and can't hold back from others what God is doing and how God is revealing himself to them. Another way that we might say this or describe this is there's a kind of transparency that takes place. You'll notice whenever the Holy Spirit really begins to move in a community or in your life, what God does is he, he reveals things to you and he shows things of yourself to you, but he shows things of himself to you as well. He shows you and he shows you himself. And in that moment, it doesn't just become your secret. It opens up a kind of transparency before one another. Always oh, can tell when the Spirit is moving in a body of Christ as they're fellowshipping together. Those individuals begin, they can't restrain what God is doing in their hearts. They start sharing it with one another. They start making it known. They're transparent. And you know, by that, I'm not talking about the kind of transparency that we try to mimic. There was an idea. We recognized that that took place. And so then we tried to mimic that transparency in some kind of therapeutic statement where we just tried to coax people to share their feelings with one another and how they were feeling and what they were thinking. And if we could just develop the right therapeutic atmosphere where everyone could talk about themselves, that, that was somehow spiritual, and that's not what we're talking about here. I've actually discovered, having traveled a lot, that people are not hesitant about talking about themselves. Sit next to a person on a plane, and it's not difficult at all to get them to tell you their life story. You can start the plane and you can know everything about them. You can know where they were educated. You can know where they grew up. You can know the job they have. You can know the things they're interested in. You can know all their children's names. And they'll never ask you one thing about yourself by the time the ride's over with. But you know everything about them. It's, that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> we're not talking about that kind of effusiveness. And we're not talking about that kind of transparency. But again, where the Spirit pours himself out upon his people, they can't withhold from others what God is doing it may be a moment in which they reveal some specific confession or sin in their life that God is making known, but in the very moment that they express that confession of sin, they also express their love and desire to please and honor God because what's producing the confession is this outpouring of love within their hearts. The Spirit of God, as Paul says in Romans 5.5, 5, is shedding the love of God abroad in their hearts, and that love begins to identify and flush out the sin, and they just confess it. And then with it, they say, I just want to live for him and please him and serve him, and I want him to guide and direct me. And... But there's this transparency, this bursting forth, this overflowing, this uninhibited generosity. And it looks something like intoxication to some people. They're intoxicated with God. They're intoxicated with God's spirit. Well, there is a difference, though. This is not like the intoxication you might have from uh, what you get from a wine bottle. This is the new wine of the Spirit being poured out upon you, and as a result, it doesn't just dissipate. It's not something that's just a waste. It's not just a flourish of frenetic activity, but it, it's focused, and it's directed, and it's impactful in those that are around them in constructive and positive ways. So let's break down this generosity from this passage and just see some examples of how this generosity manifests itself. And the first thing we're going to see here is this generosity of heart, this, this uninhibited outflow from the heart of a person who's been baptized by the Spirit produces a clear message at its center. This generosity produces a clear message at its center. If you look at this story and this accounting that we have here, you should not put in your minds the picture of individuals who have... This phenomenal event of tongues of fire that have come upon them and this great earthquake that's taken place and this mighty rushing wind that's swept through that 
The people around them have heard as well and they, they go out on the streets and they start proclaiming a message and the individuals who are hearing the message are hearing it proclaimed in their languages. You look at all that phenomenal event, but the, the thing is, as you look at these things, you should not think that these believers are just rushing out on the street and they're just shouting hallelujah over and over again. That they're just shouting praises in some indiscriminate place here, an indiscriminate place there, and that it was an undirected message. No, when they went out, they went out proclaiming a message to everyone that they encountered on the streets. Go to Acts chapter 2 again. Let me read to you verses 5 through 11. And I want you to see that their testimony here is direct, and it's directed to those who were before them for their benefit. In this passage, we hear the response of those who are hearing what these baptized Christians are saying. It says here, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were there in Jerusalem for the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost. And at this sound... The multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Galatia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. These are not just indecipherable or undecipherable, undirected shouts of praise. And hallelujah is being repeated over and over again. These men are hearing reported to them the message of God's mighty works. And that phrase, the mighty works of God, in the Jewish mind, usually referred to a recitation of God's miraculous leading of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. And, and maybe that's what these Christians were doing. Maybe their hearts had been opened up and they were sharing the message and the story of God's deliverance of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the promised land and now they're revealing that it connects analogous to something, a greater salvation in which God through Jesus Christ brought men out of the bondage to their sins and brought them into the promised land of life with him. Maybe that's what they were proclaiming and they were putting together their experience of Christ with their knowledge of Scripture and there was in a sense by the Spirit a download of spiritual, scriptural truths that were pouring out through them and being directed to them in the proclamation of the mighty works of God. In fact, actually, if you look at the message that Peter preaches, you'll see that Peter, in a sense, does the exact same thing. He doesn't come and say, well, let me take all these hallelujahs they're saying. Let me share with you all this undecipherable praise that you're hearing, all this confusion because you don't understand what you're hearing because they understood what they were hearing. They understood they were hearing in their own language. They were hearing a very specific message given to them. Peter just repeats again what it is they're hearing, but he explains what the phenomenon is and what the power is behind it. It's the outpouring of the Spirit of God here. What Peter does is Peter recites before all these individuals a message of the Old Testament scriptures that they knew, and he tied it all together to, through it, lift up the person of Jesus Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of all those things. He'll tell them that the Lord Jesus was the one who was the subject of Old Testament prophecy. 
He'll repeat the miracles that the Lord Jesus performed. He'll speak of Christ's crucifixion. Then he'll tell them that the Lord Jesus was the Lord whom King David had spoken of and that he was the promised or the Holy One. And then he'll refer to him as the Messiah or the Christ. And finally he gathers it all together and says, this is the promised King. He'll tell them this is the one who is the risen Lord and Savior. And his message is all gathered down and pointed to them this way. Let's read verses 32 through 36. I think we read... In our scripture reading, verses 32 and 33, but let's go beyond that a little bit. Acts chapter 2, verses 32 to 36. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this thing that you yourselves are seeing and hearing For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now what I want to suggest to you is that something of the message that Peter was preaching, we have recorded for you here, is something of the message of the mighty works of God that these Christians had pouring out from them when they were proclaiming their praises and their hallelujahs and the wonder of God before those on the streets of Jerusalem. And what I want you to see is that when they experienced this effusive outpouring of the Spirit upon them, their hearts opened up in this generous, transparent pouring forth of the uninhibited joy of a message that was composed, it was commanding, it was courageous, It was comprised with the knowledge of God's Word, and it was all centered on Jesus Christ. And as a result, as they freely shared these things from their heart and out of their intoxicated love for the Lord Jesus, this open-hearted message became incredibly convicting and convincing as well. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.